You're listening to the Winter Hughes Podcast with Joe and Eric Hughes. And now, here's the Hughes Brothers. Welcome in to a new episode of the Win or Hughes Podcast, a Bay Area sports podcast that this season has had a heavy focus on the Oakland A's. I'm Joe Hughes alongside my co-host, Eric Hughes. And Rick, uh, you know... We're kind of getting into a little bit of a lull with what's going on. It was so busy like two weeks ago with all the news and the reverse boycott and with what's going on in Nevada and the new stadium and everything. And kind of since then, things have been a little quieter on the news front at least, which has kind of left this little lull. The A's have been struggling. That's no secret. They won their seven games. Their final one came on the reverse boycott, then an eight-game losing skid. Then they won a game. Then they lost the last few in Toronto and things like that. So, you know, the play on the field hasn't been great. It's kind of been the uh, consistently inconsistent A's that we've been watching this year. But just kind of a general impression for you after the reverse boycott, kind of in the wake of that. And now that the news has settled in a little bit with what's going on with the A's in Las Vegas, before we get into some of the other things we're going to talk about, like maybe who the A's all-star will be this year, just kind of a general impression from you on where you're standing right now as far as maybe your fandom goes. Like, are you watching the games? Are you invested? I mean, are you thinking about going back out there with your kids? Like, where are you sitting right now, just kind of generally as a fan right now? Been tough, right? When the season started, I think what we were talking about was knowing that it was going to be a tough season and keeping an eye on the future and players to watch in the future. And what we found is it's been a tough season and the future is uh, looking pretty bleak. So, you know, one of the things we've talked about over and over is this is something we do for entertainment and it has been pretty bleak. So it has been rough the last few games, I think, since uh, since the reverse boycott. They're like 10 losses and one win. And uh, it was a nice little win, right, that first night in Toronto. But then when you think about it, there's nothing that you're playing for, right? It's not it, – there's just nothing that you're playing for at this point. So it is rough. Uh, I think I would, like, cut the cord, so to speak, with uh, the A's if my kids weren't so invested, if they're still not going around going, stay in Oakland – sell the team you know and just like they just love it so that's the thing that's tough i am still listening i am still um you know watching now and then i'm just not paying as uh, as much attention as i was i think really early in the year one of the things we talked about was with the rule change and the pitch clock it was harder to get distracted by your phone because things were happening so fast and now it's like on in its background noise. But that's kind of how I'm seeing it now. How about you? I agree with you. There's some level of like understanding that Vegas feels a little bit more like an inevitability. It's not totally done yet. There still are avenues for the A's to, you know, be saved in Oakland, though, you know, hearing from Rob Manfred again this week, not feeling very optimistic about that. But overall, there's part of me that's still just kind of it, it, having a hard time finding a way to like let go. Uh, because believing like, man, if they stay, I'm still really invested. I'll get right back into it. But it's also hard, especially in a season as bad as this, mm-hmm. to really kind of find those things where you're latching onto because like you said, it, it's about the future, right? And when a team is this bad, you're looking for the future for when they're going to be good again. So you can watch a guy like 
Estuary Ruiz lead Major League Baseball in stolen bases and believe, man, someday when the A's put it all together, that's going to be really fun to watch when he's a better player and has a better team around him. Ryan Noda, one of those guys. And it's hard to really feel like that invested if you feel like that future is going to happen somewhere else. And I know for A's fans, that's kind of always been the case, right? Even when Matt Olson and Matt Chapman or Marcus Simeon or Sean Murphy, when they had their best success, you knew at some level it was going to happen somewhere else, most likely. But in between, you were going to have a competitive window. And I'm not sure if we're going to see the A's feel that competitive window again while they're still here in Oakland. So I think that that's one of the things that makes it tough for me personally. But I agree with you because the other aspect of this, it's the kids. I have fun. My daughter loves going out to the games, partly because she likes spending time with you and me, you know, her cousins and everything. And the vibe that they had at the reverse boycott, which is not usually the vibe that exists out there, but that kind of atmosphere, especially if it's like a firework night or a drone show, she loves those kind of events. And it's one of those things where she's asking me to take her back out there. And she has no idea because I'm a good dad and I'm not showing her how heartbroken I am. <laughs> like how much it pains me to want to do this, you know, so you accommodate that request, but that's kind of where I'm sitting. It's the same for me. Right. And so I, I did see that my local library had free tickets. So I went in and I, I got the tickets. Right. So I don't know when I'll go, maybe go the Yankees uh, that's coming up here. Maybe go get those pit viper shades. We'll have to see. But um, I, I do think I am done spending money on the A's. So uh, I don't think I'll be buying any tickets. I do have like uh, an extra like comp ticket that I think I got for using the ballpark app. So I do have some free tickets lined up uh, for the way that things look like it, it seems like next season 2024 will be the last one. And, you know, to see like are Ruiz and Noda going to be a team of the future? Like I, I highly doubt it. You know, when you watch what the A's are putting out there right now, right? Like, nice little win against the the Blue Jays that first uh, game in this series. Tony Kim, nice little diving catch over there at second in the ninth. Uh, and then you look at it, and that's your 20th win almost at the end of June, right? You really got nothing you're playing for this season. Um, you're not even winning series, let alone, you know, anything that is going to make the, the whole season worthwhile. So in that sense, it is kind of rough. Um, you were talking about those uh, other guys, um, uh, Chapman, Olsen, and saying they were going to have their best years later on. And we are seeing that, right, with these guys as potential all-star starters here. And you, you think about, like, what could have happened? Well, just imagine if they had, if the A's had done the the uh, stadium deal earlier and gotten that stuff done, and they did have a stadium and they did have a competitive team, similar to what the Braves did when they built their stadium and turned into the the Braves that they are, and then turned the A's into their farm team. Kind of fascinating watching this whole thing because it does. You know, not to jump too much into the commissioner's comments, a little bit of the chicken or the egg, but in a different situation with the A's. I mean, like, when did they get this ballpark done? Because originally their timeline was right now they'd be opening that ballpark. You know, we'd be in there right now. They would have re-signed Chapman and Olsen with the money that they got. And, you know, they would have had this team as it was hitting its prime. And you're right, because this week Major League Baseball announced the finalists for the starters, position player starters at and there's a lot of former A's 
on that list of finalists, which it takes two players at each position, makes them finalists, and gives the fans a more narrow field to vote on. But Marcus Simeon on that list, Matt Olson on that list, Matt Chapman on that list, Sean Murphy, Jonah Heim on that list. That's a lot of former catchers that the A's could be rep- have representing them at the All-Star game. No current A's on that list. And so it does get into a little bit of the baseball side of things because we talked about this, I think it was a few weeks back, about who was going to be the A's All-Star. And I was really quick. I was like, oh, it's Brent Rooker. Because at that point, nobody else had done enough to be really considered of it. And like, usually the A's, everybody gets one All-Star, right? That's the way it works. And usually the A's would get like Mm -hmm. a pitcher. A relief pitcher, you know, like they find a way to kind of get somebody onto the roster. And for the A's, it hasn't really been that big an issue. Last year was Paul Blackburn. Everyone has to get one all-star. And Brent Rooker looked like, man, he had just seized that role. He had that incredible April leading the way. You know, he's leading OPS and had a lot of home runs and was in the middle of this order, even though for a bad team. And you're like, okay, well, that's going to be your guy because they're, you know, it's not like we had a dominant closer, not like we had a dominant starting pitcher. But Brent Rooker has really struggled for the last month and a half. He's hitting right around the Mendoza line, right around 200 since the beginning of May, I believe. And he's really just having a hard time going through the adjustment period. And in that time, we have seen guys like the guy that you were on, which is Estuary Ruiz really kind of come on. He leads baseball in stolen bases, which if you're just trying to fill out an MLB All-Star roster, that's a skill you would want, right? Even if he's just coming on as a pinch runner late in the game, the MLB stolen base leader is a guy. Ryan Noda over at first base, I think he's top five right now in on-base percentage, and he leads all rookies in on-base percentage. Other than that, I think he'd be really stretching to get another All-Star for the A's, but what are your thoughts because right now, to me, it's a two-man race between Estuary Ruiz and Ryan Nota, the two impressive A's rookies for who should be representing the team in the All-Star game. The thing about Ruiz is I just think he's really exciting. And the way that he just kind of turns it on coming out, I, I think he he makes the defenders a little nervous, right? Because he's thinking, too, as soon you know, he's not hitting for power at all. But with that speed, he's thinking, too, where a lot of other guys, no way would they be thinking that. So I think it just changes that routine feel for the defender. And they're like, oh, this guy's got wheels. I've got to go make a play, too. So I I think it makes the defense nervous. And I think he's a game changer with that speed. At least he would be on another team. I I think you're 100% right, because even if he gets on base with a hit by pitch. I think he's got 12 of them this year. He's leading baseball and getting hit by a pitch. The Mark Hanna special, it feels like a double. You know, if he gets a walk, it feels like a double. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he gets very aggressive. He's had to kind of make his own adjustments with the new rules. We've seen, you know, that pitchers are not afraid to use their three disengagements. If they throw over to first, they are planning to do that a third time, that they will risk that if they think they're going to pick that guy off because Hitters were so aggressive in going once they knew the pitcher couldn't pick them off or or at least try to throw over without having to pick them off. And, you know, Ruiz had to make that adjustment a little bit. We've seen him get caught a couple times. And, you know, he's definitely struggling a little bit in center field. But I think you're right. It's like he gets on base and there's something to watch because Oakland's offense, the hitting, is so bad. I can't remember a team that has been this bad at basic things like the sacrifice bunt. You know, I'm tired of watching guys like Jace Peterson up there 
that's just an empty calorie to me, you know? And so when Ruiz is on there, it doesn't seem to matter who's coming up next because you're watching the guy on base, not just the guy in the box. And Ryan Noda has been a perfect person to hit right behind Ruiz. He takes a lot of pitches. He's comfortable in two strike Mm -hmm. counts because he can, you know, trust his eye and foul things off. So he'll take a pitch, give Ruiz a chance to steal that bag, and he walks a lot. So even if, you know, Ruiz doesn't get a chance to steal that base, well, Ryan Nota might just walk and move him over there anyway. Just imagine for a second, and this totally is meaningless, right? But let's just say this whole season is mostly meaningless, right? So let's let's go to imaginary land because it's better there. (laughs) <laughs> so in the imaginary land, new ballpark ace, already built. They already open. have the new ballpark. <laughs> yeah. They have Chapman. They still have Simeon. Yeah. Um, they've got Olson. You know, then you add Ruiz and Noda as a DH, right? And and I know some of these pieces have been moved for other pieces, right? But let's just say like that was the kind of team that you had. Like as a fan, and we clearly see fans and ownership have completely different agendas here. But as a fan, that's your expectation, that your team is out there to be uh, aggressive, to win a championship. And you just consider the pieces that have come and gone through those doors there and the potential that the club uh, could be at if we were living in this imaginary land, right? And we all know that the vibe would be like that reverse boycott way more often, Because when the team is good, the fans do come out. You want an idea about that. I know that A's fans don't like to focus on the Giants, but the Giants just won 10 games in a row, and they went from having to sell tickets earlier this season for just five bucks because they were trying to get people in there, and they've had trouble getting fans to their ballpark in this you know post-pandemic world where not as many people are going into San Francisco to work and then staying for a Giants game. Well, the Giants won 10 games in a row. They got right back into the hunt in their division, in the NL West. And all of a sudden, you look at the vibes on Sunday and it's, you know, a packed house again. And it's fans believing, fans showing up. It gets into this whole thing. I mean, we don't have to go down the rabbit hole every time, but it's, you know, fans are customers and customers are going to come when you have something to sell them. And some of those fans are going to stay away when you're not offering as good a product, especially if we saw the Giants lower their price to five bucks to keep going in there. Well, the A's did the opposite. They raised the prices. They raised the parking prices. So they made it harder to come to those games. And fans did what you should do when you don't agree with what a business is doing. You stay away. And the A's haven't done anything. The fans, frankly, with the reverse boycott, have done more promoting this team with things like the reverse boycott, what Last Dive Bar has done, than what we've seen from the actual team. Remember those commercials we used to have when we were kids and you would you would get excited to see those A's commercials or the green collar baseball, you know, uh, posters that they would put up around BART. I was in the East Bay. I was in Concord the other day. I saw like the bus had a Go Giants thing over the bus in that digital thing in the East Bay in Concord because the A's aren't doing a lot in their own market. As much as we talk about, oh, it's, you know, Major League Baseball blaming the fans and trying to put the onus back on that. The national narrative has changed on that because it's obvious that it's not the fans. It's what the team is doing. It, you know, the A's allowed the San Francisco Giants to have a Giants dugout store in Walnut Creek, right in the affluent area in their own backyard. As much as the Giants have defended their territorial rights in San Jose, when have we seen the A's defend their territorial rights? 
and defend that and market to it and try to make themselves that team. And they don't. And, and maybe that's why they got the free pass by the rest of the owners where they've just kind of been like, hey, we're easy going and we've kind of not ruffled any feathers. And now we're just asking for, uh, hey, I've been scratching your back. It's time for you to scratch mine. So I do have a thought on that because what's going on right now with the A Stadium, Major League Baseball is looking at the A's possible relocation. They have to vote on it. They need two-thirds of the owners to vote in favor to allow the A's to move to Las Vegas. That's the next step. Now, the commissioner seems confident that the owners are also going to waive a relocation fee for the A's, which would be about $300 million. That's a lot of money that the A's would then have to pay the owners. And apparently, the owners are willing to let that go. So why are the owners so willing to... Let the A's move without paying a relocation fee in a deal that would also leave the A's as a revenue-sharing receiver. That means they get payments from the other teams, you know, without any incentive to compete. So you're going to give them this break of $300 million. You're going to give them money every year because they're now a small market team in the 40th largest media market. Why are the other owners so key to do that? The only thing I can think of is Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, maybe, you know, kind of holding the screws like, we need to get Oakland and Tampa Bay settled, and then we can do an expansion team. And the expansion price will be between $500 million or a billion dollars. And you'll get to have that money kind of spread out. So if you waive the $300 million to get Oakland, you know, a new stadium in Las Vegas, and you get that done... Maybe we can get done quickly and there'll be a billion dollar payout that can be spread out to the other owners. That's really the only thing I can think of for why the owners are being so generous with what they're offering the A's. It makes sense, right? Because if you've got more pots that are all bringing in money, you know, everyone's going to win in the long haul. From an owner's point of view, there are no fans in Oakland, right? Like if you consider that, right? Um, and, and you don't put any blame on your fellow owner here, then that's what you're looking at. So then you start thinking like, yeah, go to Vegas. Uh, let's get some more pots going over here and we'll, we'll see what this draws in. So yeah, I'd say that makes sense. It's one of the few things I'd say that actually makes sense. But, uh, this week we did hear from the MLB commissioner. There was a game in London this week and between the Cardinals and Cubs, they're playing a series in London. And somebody got to follow up with Rob Manfred about his comments from a week ago talking about Oakland and where he was kind of callous about the reverse boycott and, you know, still trying to blame the fans. And here's what he had to say that he said, quote, my comment about Oakland was that I feel sorry for the fans. That was my initial reaction and my preference to find a solution in Oakland. That comment that I made about the fans on a particular night was taken out of context for those two larger remarks. I feel sorry for the fans. We hate to move. We did everything we could to possibly keep the club in Oakland. And unfortunately, one night doesn't change a decade worth of inaction, end quote. That last sentence really stuck in my craw. First off, it wasn't taken out of context. The whole video, he was asked the question, he made those comments. That's BS. It was not taken out of context in any way. What he said, if he meant something different, well, then he's a really poor communicator, which, you know, he is a poor communicator. But the last one, one night doesn't change a decade worth of an action. Are you talking about the owner of the Oakland A's or are you talking about the fans? Are you talking about the guy who has owned this team since, you know, long enough that he has been able to do anything about it and has a record of not? 
And as far as one night and the A's not making, they didn't make Howard Terminal their priority right when John Fisher became the opener. They tried San Jose. Major League Baseball stood in their way. They tried Fremont. Major League Baseball didn't really help the A's along the way. And eventually, we got to this place where the A's said, okay, we're going to try the Peralta Laney College site. And that fell through. So the fact that Major League Baseball is trying to make this stance that you know, the A's have been trying for a decade to try and get Howard Terminal and a ballpark built in Oakland and that they haven't gotten any support, A, from the city, which isn't true. The city gave them an EIR. They've gotten money approved for this, more money than what Las Vegas and Nevada is offering. And once again, and this is where it gets tough because Rob Manfred is not some, you know, arbiter of truth. He's not some middleman. He's not a judge who's tasked with just this. He's on the owner's side. So hearing him, I get where he's coming from. I get that that's his job, but it's just bullshit again. That's all that it is. Just more bullshit. He's on the owner's side for Major League Baseball. This isn't a community outreach organization, right? And it's it's not like Major League Baseball has a clear conscience on every other issue, right? So that kind of goes back to where are you as a fan? And I think back to 2015, 2016, the seasons were rough. You did have an eye on the future. You did get some deals, right? Um, we don't really have that, right? We The other thing we had was a 49ers team that was going three and out on every possession, right? So what we can't really keep an eye on the future in Oakland right now. I, I mean, you, you kind of have to, right? Because like we've been saying, till the shovels are in the ground, anything's possible. But I'm kind of just ready to switch into 49ers mode. You know, like, let's get that going. Because uh, as a fan, you're right. Like, we are customers here. And we are customers that are constantly getting slapped in the face. It's like going into the restaurant, you know. The, and that's something that Stu Clary talked about when we were in the, the um, interview about the reverse boycott. When you're going to this restaurant that you, you go to because they have high quality stuff, great prices, then the quality starts going down. The prices are going up. And now you go in there and the owners are just incredibly rude to you. Like, why are you still going in? You know, and, and at some point, it's like a little bit like, that's on you, man. Yeah. And so uh, that kind of where I am, it, it, like yeah. I'm still watching. It's like I'm getting my food to go now, you know, and just like I'm dealing with the rudeness. But it's like, uh, you mm -hmm. know, it, this is what I know. It's easy to get, you know. Um, and, and then you do start thinking, like, what will you do when let's this restaurant, so to speak, closes or they're gone, right? Like. One of the things that I talked about was maybe I'd uh, be a Padres fan, having lived in San Diego for a little bit, um, going to the Padres stadium more than I've been to any stadium besides the Coliseum. Uh, and I even have a Padres hat that, you know, somebody else bought me. Um, so it was like, oh, maybe, you know, I could do that. When the announcement on Vegas came in, I was like, I do not care about the Padres. And so, like, it would be a, a forced change. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about, like, you're not going to be a Giants fan. I've never even been to the Giants stadium. I know people have been like, oh, is that a thing? And I'm like, it's not a thing. Just like, I, I'm not a casual baseball fan. Like, the London game, I saw it. 
Cubs Cardinals, usually a pretty good series. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you watch a little bit. I saw it was on. I'm not watching it, you know? And so it's like, I'm an A's fan. I try and watch A's baseball. When A's baseball isn't good, I don't get that same joy by watching other baseball, you know? Even when they're casual, they watch it through the lens of how it impacts their team, right? Like you watch a game maybe between, say, when uh, the Astros were good and you're watching the Yankees and the Astros when the A's are in the wild card hunt. That game's more interesting if your team is in the hunt and the outcome of that game has an impact on your team, right? Like that's kind of the slant. So it's like if you were going to get back into baseball with another team, I hear what you mean about just like picking a team like a Padres. Hey, I lived in the city or the Rockies, you know, you lived in Colorado for a little while. So I get that. But would you think that it would be maybe almost childlike the way you'd have to get back into the game as far as like you'd have to find a player that inspired you that you really, really liked in the same way that like when we were coming up, you know, a Ricky Henderson could pull you in and help make the A's a more fun team for you to watch. You know, maybe I think the thing about the Padres is they do have an exciting team right now. You've got Bo Mel over there who, you know, A's fans just love, right? And I, I remember meeting Bo Mel at a fan fest. Hey, by the way, he, can we talk about Bob Melman, who we absolutely do love? But Bob Melman's got a very stacked roster that is struggling a lot with a lot of talent. I mean, the end of that A's teams when they weren't winning those games, those were some stacked rosters that were struggling a little bit. I'm just saying, like, I love Bob Melvin. I love what he did for the Oakland A's. But, I mean, at some point, it's a new franchise and you've got a way bigger budget and you're having the same issues you had when you had that shoestring budget, which means you're not going to get that same pass, you know? Like, that goes back to I'm not a casual fan, so I have no idea what the Padres record is. I'm more going over there. Yeah, they're connect. Right around 500, man. Yeah. They, I'm going over the, the big name players that they have that you can go root for and go see. And they have some cool City Connect uniforms, you know? So that's that's what I'm going with there. What I thought was like the Padres and the A's had so much potential to have like a cool rivalry, like the Battle of Second Cities, like Oakland being the second Northern California city and San Diego, you know, not as big as uh, LA. So I just thought there was like so much potential for that. Um, I know there are different leagues and things like that. Yeah, but under the new balance schedule, everybody plays each other now every year you play every team and so it's like every other year you know what I was looking forward to is like trying to get into a pattern where we could go visit places that you wouldn't maybe ever think about going you know like would you ever go to Pittsburgh I think it'd be kind of a fun little weekend to go and watch the A's play and you know go check out Pittsburgh or something like that where otherwise I wouldn't think like you know what I'm doing a getaway I'm going to the Boig I'm gonna go see what Yin's guys are all about you know, I'm going to go have some Iron City beer and see what's going on in Pittsburgh because it seems like a cool place. But my lens through Pittsburgh has always been sports focused, whether it was the Steelers and, you know, if the A's were taking me out there, would I go visit a Pittsburgh? Sure. Would I go visit a St. Louis? Otherwise, probably not. You know, I, I know that they've got, a, you know, a lot to offer, but if I'm going to go to a Milwaukee, I'd go visit because the A's were visiting, you know, like... I was excited to do something like that, maybe. It was something I was thinking about earlier, kind of similar, kind of changing it, but I think you have been to less 
fewer stadiums than I would have expected you to have been to. I've been to more National League West ballparks than American League West ballparks. I can tell you that for somebody. And part of that's because I covered the Giants for so long mm-hmm. professionally. And that's that's a big part of why have you I feel like Have you been to Chavez Ravine? I haven't been. No, I haven't been there. But I've been to I've been to Colorado, San Diego. We went uh, for that series against the A's, which actually was a weird series because there were so many Bay Area people showing up for A's and Padres. You had like a lot of Giants fans there because it was just like Bay Area fans were like, "Hey, where's my Bay Area people?" You know, like who's from the Bay? We're coming out there. Uh, I have <laughs> been to Arizona's ballpark. I've been to the Diamondbacks ballpark at Chase Field. I haven't been to the Dodgers. Mm. I've been to the Giants, obviously. And I've been to Candlestick <laughs> and, you know, I've been to more like AL East parks. Like I've been to Fenway, I've been to old Yankee stadium and I've been to new Yankee stadium. So I've been to those kind of ballparks, but yeah, I have not become like a baseball, like stadium tourist where I've gone to all these things. I mean, we were just in Miami and I went and checked out the the Marlins. I went and checked out Marlins part, but not when they were playing the A's, but it was just earlier in the year when I got a chance to go check that out. It's going to be interesting to see what like comes next as far as like how fandom develops because right now I'm having a hard time personally connecting. The team's not doing themselves any favors, right? Because outside of the guys that we're talking about, like a Ruiz or Ryan Noda, you know, Mason Miller's hurt right now, so you can't like get excited to watch him. You know, Tyler Soderstrom's not up, Zach Geloff's not up. So, you know, what I saw a lineup the other day that had, you know, Tony Kemp, who we do love, Jace Peterson, Aletmus Diaz. You know, you're looking at some of these guys and just thinking like, okay, why am I watching this game? Because this is a bad team. They've got 60 losses already, and we're not even at the end of June. And these guys aren't going to be here by the time the A's are good next. That's what part of the reason I still find myself listening. And, and I love to listen to it on the radio. But it's summertime, driving around with the windows down, yeah. with the game on, you know. But that's one of the things that I love, too, is listening to Ken Korak. You know, no disrespect to anybody else there, but Ken's my favorite, you know. And so... With him not being there, with the team being awful, you know, and I, I know Ken is probably just like took a road trip off or something like that. Not that he's, you know, not going to come back or anything, but it's just, you know, it it's all that it. These are the reasons that I do it. These are the reasons that I watch. These are the reasons <laughs> that I listen. And so it does become harder, you know, but I still do it out of habit. And, I mean, but the know, same reason, the I mean, just like we didn't get into baseball, we've been joking about this, to learn this much about Nevada politics, you know, to like mm-hmm. sit there and then have to actually do the research to wonder is like, okay, now that the uh, financial package has been approved by the legislature, what comes next in this process? And be like, okay, so there's a chance you need this, you need like, you know, 100,000 signatures, uh, okay, and you need 25,000 from each county to be able to get this on the ballot in 2024. At the very least, just to, you know, defer how long it would take the A's to be able to build their ballpark. Like, learning all that stuff was not why I became a baseball fan. So, let me ask you, can you see yourself in a situation where you continue to support the A's while they're in Las Vegas? Man, uh, my initial reaction is no. Can I see you not see yourself? And and be honest here, taking a trip maybe with some buddies, um, some of the people from your fantasy football league or something like that, you all meet up in Las Vegas, go to an A's game at the new A's stadium, you guys go out to a nice dinner, 
Um, you know, well, my friends, it probably wouldn't be that nice at dinner, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you see that? Because like, honestly, I, I can see my friends like making me go to a ace game in Vegas. At this point, I feel like it would be more of a punishment, like for losing our fantasy football league season where I would have to do oh, something like that. Wow, but okay. I don't see myself doing that initially. I think if I was going to do that, it would be years like a decade plus if I was just kind of deciding to get back into wow. baseball. Like if this was something that ripped baseball away from me and I became too jaded to find another way to continue to follow the sport and eventually decided to get back into it, that's, I think, the scenario, this hypothetical that would get me back into it. So let's fill in that 10-year yeah. gap. What are you doing in those 10 years? Are you not watching any baseball at all? Are you a Cal Berkeley baseball fan? Maybe Laney College. We talked about trying to get them a big support. Yeah, I, I think what it would be is it would be kind of like we were talking about is finding one of these big young players that I really like watching. Like, you know, there's a cool story going on with the Cincinnati Reds right now. That's a team that I can identify a little bit more with what's going on for the A's. They just called up one of the top prospects in baseball, another five-tool player in Ellie De La Cruz, who has been a lot of fun to watch. I don't know if you watched this game that they had against the Braves. They had this back-and-forth game going. Joey Votto had a pair of homers in that game. I think De La Cruz hit the cycle, you know. Also, really cool City connectors. jerseys again. Yeah, those, yeah. those were really I like cool. the, the C on the helmet that pops up and... You know, you're looking at a team that was pretty much in the same position the A's were last year. Remember, they were selling off their best players, but they also had a deeper farm system. And they're right now, as of Sunday, leading the National League Central, leading the Brewers, leading the Cubs, leading the Pirates, leading St. Louis, leading these other clubs. And so it would be like maybe either season by season or a player that gets me invested into a team that like I develop a rooting interest and then over time, maybe becoming a fan of that team. But I think that that's part of it is like there's no quick way to just snap your fandom down and start on that same level with another team. And also starting with another team feels a little exhausting if you don't know that other team's history as well. Uh, so, you know, it it could be something like that or, you know, picking one of those former A's that I really like, like a guy like Matt Olson and deciding you know, I'm going to follow those guys for a while. I'm a Matt Olson fan when the Braves are playing. I'm a Matt Chapman fan when, you know, the Blue Jays are playing on on that game that the A's won. You know, Chris Bassett started that game and Matt Chapman was in that lineup. So you kind of watch the game a little bit through that lens. Maybe that's the way I would do it. Otherwise, it would be those guys like, you know, an Ellie De La Cruz that like gets you into the game that you want to go watch that guy play in the same way that I was really excited to watch Mason Miller. I mean, a watching him through the lens of an A's fan is one thing, but those kind of players that you want to see play, like even as not a Giants fan, I was excited to watch Tim Lincecum pitch. That was a lot of fun to get to go do. And one of the best games, one of the best pitch games that I've ever been to, and I've been to a perfect game, was watching Tim Lincecum against the Braves in the playoffs. And it was just one of those things that really made you appreciate the skill regardless of you know, who's in the uniform, you know, it's just that there's going to be those players that always stand out and, you know, a Shohei Otani, I'm not an Angels fan, obviously, because we've had, you know, the tension and rivalry with the A's and Angels for a long time. But am I going to watch Shohei Otani if he leaves the Angels and still watch him with awe? Yeah. Even while he's an Angel, I watch him with awe. Yeah, it's hard not to with what he's doing now. And I know that that's something that we've talked about in the past is 
what would be a little easier to handle being an A's fan, knowing you have a revolving door of players or being an Angels fan who until recently haven't been very competitive, but you know, you got to go see some future future Hall of Famers every time you went. And sometimes you got to see Pujols, Trout, and Otani, right? Um, But now what you're seeing of Otani is just absolutely mind-boggling, historic, which he's already been on that kind of run, right? Um, But now they've actually got some baseball that is meaningful to back it up. So um, I guess, you know, going back to that debate that we have, I I would take that kind of fandom where you get to watch some Hall of Famers and they get to take a team that's rolling because we're still in imaginary yeah. land because it doesn't look like Oakland's going to have anything uh, but imaginary yeah. baseball much well, longer. And the Angels have been a, a sleeping giant with all their resources in this division. You know, it's been the A's when they've been good. It's been the Astros recently have dominated that division. But, you know, the Angels are a sleeping giant. Like you said, they're good. And you can see that they're making moves to try and stay competitive to, like, make their roster a little solid not that they're planning to go beat every team 23 to 1 like they did against the Rockies earlier this week but you know that's uh that that's an Angels team that if they invested wisely would be a scary team with all their resources and that's kind of been something I've always been grateful that they haven't been a well-run organization like the A's have because with the resources that they had and the A's kind of way of doing business that would be a really scary kind of team but Fascinating conversation, man. I'm definitely going to be thinking about my fandom this week and what comes next. And Rick, I appreciate getting to talk to you every week because definitely helps a little bit going through the struggles of what's happening here with the A's. You can find us on social media on Twitter at Win or Hughes. You can find me at Vegas Joe Hughes. New episodes every week. Make sure to like and subscribe. Thanks for listening to the Winner Hughes podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe.